0: You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolnes. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. Coming up. We're going to preview this delayed game between the Washington Football Team and the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, a very controversial week in the NFL as uh, the Eagles and the football team's game—one of three games to be postponed two days because of COVID outbreaks on on all on three of the teams, uh, Washington Football Team being one of them—and of course, uh, Eagles fans and uh, the players themselves are incensed at the postponement or the uh, the delay in the game. And we're going to talk about it because there's been some news that came down on Saturday regarding the game, regarding some of the players Washington is getting back, new protocols being announced by the NFL. And uh, earlier in the week, before all of this craziness got started, I did talk to Mark Bullock, former Washington football team reporter for The Athletic. He's now out on his own, has a fantastic newsletter I want to tell you guys about when we talk to him uh, with some great stuff there. So you're going to want to hear what he has to say. Uh, Some of it uh, may be a little bit dated uh, at this point because it was, again, just like a day or two before all all this nonsense since started coming down, but still lots of good information from Mark, and we'll hear from him coming up in a few minutes on Eye on the Enemy. But lots of news to get to here on Saturday uh, as uh, the the wheels in the NFL continue to churn. And, uh, of course, the biggest news, I think, is the fact that Washington has activated four players from their COVID list ahead of their rescheduled game against the Eagles on Tuesday. They're getting back defensive end Montez Sweat, defensive tackle Jonathan Allen, defensive end James uh, Smith-Williams and defensive end Casey Tuhill. So four guys along the defensive front... Two of them starters, Sweat and Allen, obviously are impact players. Uh, Allen is their leading sack, uh, their leading sacker at the defensive tackle position, of course. And then uh, Sweat is their best edge rusher. But uh, two starters, two key reserves for Washington, uh, will now be eligible to play on Tuesday. And this is this is why the this is why the NFL pushed back this game a couple of days. Although it's fair to note that if this game had been played on Sunday, these four these four players would have been available. Um, it's sweat, uh, past completed his 10 day isolation, um, because he is an unvaccinated player as everybody knows by now. And he was the first one of these Washington players to go on the COVID-19 protocol. And, and we're not going to, I'm not going to sit here and rehash for you, the timeline and everything. I think Jimmy and Brandon did a really good job of that on the on the last BGN radio. It seems based on the facts that we know that an unvaccinated player caused this outbreak among the Washington football team. And we know the NFL over the summer said that teams would forfeit games if they if they couldn't field a competitive roster. And obviously they've gone back on that. But again, this is this is an, a, an incredibly unfair situation to put the Eagles. And I agree with every Eagles fan, every Eagles player, everyone who follows this team and covers this team. I agree with everyone. Who 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 will point out to you that the Eagles are getting rogered here because they are they they are absolutely absolutely getting screwed with their pants on. They're, I mean it's 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 unre- it's unfathomable that that they would be on the short end of the stick when they have been one of the teams doing everything right, following protocols, getting their players vaccinated, and and most Washington players are vaccinated too. Most of the players on on the COVID nineteen list for Washington are vaccinated players who are asymptomatic, and um and, and that's something to to consider. I mean. Uh, Jonathan Allen, uh, James Smith-Williams, Casey Tuhill tested out of the protocols early, so that's why they are eligible to come back on Tuesday. Uh, The big reason why this game got postponed was because of the quarterback situation. I'm 100% sure this game would have been played on Sunday if Washington wasn't looking at uh, playing somebody off the practice squad, off of another team's practice squad, in this game on Sunday afternoon. But it looks like Kyle Allen... Has a chance to be back on Tuesday for this game. I, I think it's. I think it's going to happen, barring a setback, barring a, a surprise positive test. But it's probably not going to be Taylor Heineke. I don't think he's going to be able to test back in in time for Tuesday. Um, but I think that's one of the reasons. The I think that's the main reason. Uh, on the field anyway, that the NFL decided to push back, uh, Philadelphia and Washington was the quarterback situation. The fact that they were not going to be able to field a quarterback really. So, um, so Washington is getting four important players back in time for Tuesday. I don't know exactly how much Montez sweat and, and Allen are going to play. Um, you know, this was uh, Montez Sweat has been hurt for a while. Uh, so he, he just returned for his pra- first practice in seven weeks. We'll see what his uh, conditioning is like, but, uh, it's, it's obviously a huge boost to their defensive line to get those guys back. Now, um, one of the other items of note here is that the NFL and the NFL players association have agreed to new protocols, new changes this week. Um, So what's going to happen here, and and we'll just try and we'll try and water this down, but essentially uh, vaccinated players who are not distributing any symptoms will no longer be regularly tested or tested at all. So if you're a vaccinated player and you're not showing any symptoms, you're not going to get tested anymore. What's been happening is everybody's been getting tested on a regular basis, whether you've been vaccinated, whether you are unvaccinated. And a lot of these cases that have come up on all these different teams are of vaccinated players who are asymptomatic because everybody's getting tested. And so you're getting all of these positives where you have outbreaks on these uh, these different teams. And and so when you've got most of the league vaccinated and most of the league asymptomatic, the the league is essentially saying here, we're not going to... We're not going to leave ourselves open to a string of positive tests. Now, I will say I get I get the reason for doing that. And and maybe as this pandemic reaches a new stage where you have a more transmissible disease, but perhaps the symptoms are not as severe as in previous strains or you have you have more of the NFL population vaccinated, unlike last year. And so the risk of serious illness is much less. But you also do have to understand that the concern is transmitting the disease player from not only just from from player to player, but from a player to a a family member who has a a comorbidity. So. They are also allowing players to opt out again. I forget what the deadline is, but they are giving giving players another opportunity, given these new standards, to opt out for the rest of the season if they want. Alan Sills, the NFL's chief medical officer, said in a conference call with reporters, I would not describe it as that we're stopping testing or we're doing less testing. I would simply say that we're trying to test smarter and test in a more strategic fashion. So... What's happening here is that the NFL does not want to postpone any more games, but at the end of the day, if this, if this thing is going to ramp up with more cases, although it's less severe, you're, you're going to have a lot of players on the field who are playing while they have COVID and it's an understanding among the Players Association and the players that if we're all vaccinated, the chances are if we get COVID-19, it's not going to be serious. But uh, Sill said we're entering a very different phase of this pandemic and in some ways battling an almost brand new disease. And that is this Omicron variant. And that was one of the dis- the excuses that Roger Goodell made when postponing these games. He's saying, look, we've got a new variant. It's not like it's not the same as it was o- during the summertime. Listen, again, these are all weak excuses. i, I I'm not gonna I'm not going to rehash it. everybody has everybody has made the arguments as to why postponing these games two days was was dramatically unfair to the Eagles. And it, it, there's 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 no argument to be made, even as I've listened to washington d c sports talk radio this over these last couple of days, they all believe, obviously that the NFL had no choice but to move these games to postpone these games for two days and and play the games on Tuesday. Nevertheless, they, they do admit that the Eagles are getting rogered here. That the Eagles are, are, are absolutely, that this is an unfair solution for Philadelphia. Because as, of course, everyone knows by now, the Eagles have to play on a short week next week against the New York Giants. And to be fair, Washington does as well. So both teams are getting hammered, but it's an unfair advantage to the Giants. And then the Eagles have to play a, a week later. So you're getting three games in less than two weeks here because of this. So it's, it's dramatically unfair to the Eagles. And who knows if additional Eagles players test positive between Sunday and Tuesday. Now, with these new protocols, if it's a, a vaccinated player who's not showing symptoms, they're not going to get tested. So it's likely we'll see fewer positive results over that stretch. Now, if a vaccinated player starts to, ex- to experience symptoms and exhibit symptoms, that player will get uh, will get tested and it's likely I would imagine some contact tracing does go on at that point. But, you know, I, there this is a new this is a new variant. This is a, a new phase of the disease. I, I, I will. I, I absolutely will concede that. But it, it does. It does contain some risks and it comes a little too little too late for the Eagles who are getting who are getting hammered here. So that's the new policy as agreed to on Saturday. Um, so this is all good news for Washington. It was a good news weekend for Washington while, and and here's the other thing too. And, and what I will say about this, I really do wonder how much pressure Roger Goodell has been under from the sports books, from the sports gambling community, because we know the NFL has, has deals with these different sports books and whatnot. I just, I just wonder how much pressure, because there was a reporting by Adam Schefter that Goodell and the NFL were under pressure to reschedule these games. And with the lines all over the place, nobody knew how to bet on this game. Nobody knew. I mean, the line is four, then it's seven, then it's 11, then it's 12 with the quarterbacks dropping out. Uh, nobody was going to put money on Washington when, when you're playing a practice squatter from another team that was signed on a Tuesday to play in a Sunday game. It's, it's wreaking havoc on the lines. You basically, you basically have to take those games off the board almost. They're, they're, they're so crazy. And so I just I, I don't have any information. This is just kind of idle speculation on my part. But I wonder what kind of pressure the NFL was getting from the sports gambling community. And that's my concern with sports gambling, the long arm of, of legalized sports gambling in America. I, I don't think it has a positive effect on on sports. And I, I know that there are probably, you know, this is a sports podcast, I would imagine. And I know for a fact that there are likely going to be forever sports gambling uh, advertising partnerships. Um, I just feel this is not healthy. This is not. There's a reason that professional sports have kept gambling at not an arm's length, but um, many arm's lengths over the years, because there's just there. There is an there is a, a there is a potential for undue influence here. This is they are not a disinterested third party, and they are. There, there's a lot of money flowing with regard to sports gambling. So it, it just it makes me wonder if the uncertain nature of all of this is is one of the re- and, and the effects it's having on the sports gambling community, whether or not that had any kind of any kind of say here. Because I'm, I I do I do also think, you know, why not just make it on Monday night? Why, why are they pushing it to Tuesday and why make it Tuesday night? I think the athletic uh, uh, mentioned this in, in one of their stories. Why not make it Tuesday during the day so at least you give at least you give these guys some some extra time to to rest if there's travel necessary uh for for washington to to get back uh back to dc even why why would you do it why would you do it in the evening well the reason is and i guess for if you're an eagles fan that has tickets to this game you could make it on a sunday during the day but making it on a Tuesday. During the day is probably going to be an impossibility for a lot of people. So you make it in the evening so that fans can attend the game. I do understand that, but it's at the bottom line, we're talking about, we're talking about money, but we're also trying to talk about what's best for the fans. So I'm I'm not going to come down hard on the NFL for making these on a Tuesday night, but it is an undue burden on, on the birds. And, and we all know that we, we all know that this is an undue unfair burden on the birds. I will say this about fairness. And I think Nick Sirianni has, has basically said this this week. We can, we can moan and we can complain. We can be upset about this, and we're, we have every right to be upset about this. And, and the Eagles players, I don't think they wanted a forfeit. They lose a game check if, it's, if the game's forfeited, by the way, which shouldn't be a case. Washington should lose a game check. The, the Eagles should not. And I would hope that Jeffrey Lurie would pay the guys for, for doing the right thing. But I don't think these guys necessarily wanted a forfeit, but they wanted to play the game on Sunday. They were ready to play. They were ready to play. Washington would not have been ready to play. They would, it, it would have been grotesquely ugly on Sunday had they, had they played. And guess what? If Kyle Allen can't play, it still might be grotesquely ugly. It still could be really bad. But, he, but here's the deal. We all know, because we live in a world, that life is unfair. We all deal with things that are unfair we have all every one of you listening to this podcast has gotten the shaft in some way or another at some point in your lives probably multiple times a day you you have been on the receiving end of unfairness my my three kids all the time yelling about that's not fair that's unfair why does why does the oldest kid get to go have a weekend alone with the grandparents while the younger two don't well he's the oldest well that's not fair yeah it's not but that's just kind of the way it is and you got to learn to deal with it guys and so it, you have to if you want to win this game and and not only just win this game because I think the Eagles uh, win this game if, if they don't win this game I mean I I don't even know how how to react if the Eagles don't pull off this win no matter no matter who's starting a quarterback on Tuesday night Washington is thoroughly depleted, and the Eagles are actually pretty healthy. One of the nice things is that it looks like you know you give Jalen Hurts a couple extra days to get ready for this game. Looked like he was going to play on Sunday anyway, but nevertheless, it's unfair. The Eagles, the Eagles are being treated unfairly here. Everyone acknowledges it. No one is trying to. No one in the NFL is is even trying to make the argument that the Eagles aren't getting the shaft here. Everyone knows it. Washington fans know it, and the NFL knows it. You might not be able to get Roger Goodell to come on microphone and say it, but everyone is aware that Philadelphia is is absolutely getting hammered here. But life is unfair. We all have to deal with unfair situations. We all have to deal with things that aren't right. It's how you react to those things. It's how you respond to those things that really tell you the kind of character that you have. And that's one of the things I think that Nick Sirianni is hammering home, and he has to hammer home to these guys. It's like, look, whether we play on Sunday, whether we play on Tuesday, whether we play in Philadelphia, whether we play on the moon, we got to be ready to play this football game. And you can't go into a game saying, this is unfair. We shouldn't have to play this game. We shouldn't have to play on Tuesday. And I don't know that Eagles players are doing that, but you can't have that mentality. You've just got to be, you, you, you've got to be like, yeah, life's unfair. Strap it up. Let's go. And then in four days, like, yeah, we're going to have another game in four days. That stinks. We got to be ready to go. We got we to gotta suck it up. And if we want to go to the playoffs and we want to play our best football, we just got to strap it on and make the magic happen. You, the Eagles, we, we as fans can kind of obsess about fairness, but it's also not really helpful for us either. Because at the end of the day, there's only so much howling at the moon you can do because the moon's not going to answer back. So you can scream at the walls about it being unfair and it's certainly certainly worth talking about the unfairness of it all. But at a certain point you get diminishing returns. And for the Eagles, they they have to tune all of that out. That's Nick Sirianni's job these next couple of days, keeping everybody healthy and tuning out all of that noise. Because life is unfair. So now you got to deal with it. And the people in life who are able to deal with unfair situations, who are able to deal with things when the deck is stacked against them and persevere, those are the winners. Those are the folks who usually end up on the winning side of things. And that's what this football team needs to do. They need to forget about it being unfair. They need to forget about playing on Tuesday. They need to forget about a short week against the Giants. And they need to come out ready to play football on Tuesday night and lay the wood to the Washington football team for causing all of this. I mean, Put up 45 on them. Get yourself a 45-14 to 14 win and get yourself ready to play against Joe Judge and the Giants at home. At home. Luckily, the Eagles don't have to travel. They get to stay at home and play them in Philadelphia. That is a, that is a bonus. That is a benefit. But they're going to be sore. They're going to be hurting. They are absolutely going to be playing hurt against a rested Giants team that wants to sweep them. And they've just got to put that aside. So we'll see if the Eagles can do that here on Tuesday night. One last thing before we get to Mark Bullock. Carson Wentz and the Colts were playing on Saturday night football against the New England Patriots, and it now is almost certain that the Eagles will get the Indianapolis Colts' first-round pick after Carson Wentz played the whole game and will almost certainly clear the 75% offensive snap threshold. It certainly also looks like the Colts are in great position to make the playoffs and Wentz will only have needed to play in 70% of the Colts snaps if the Colts get in to the postseason tournament. So the Eagles officially will get a first round pick from the Colts, something that at the beginning of the year, when remember, do you remember at the beginning of training camp when Carson Wentz hurt his knee or was it his, was it his ankle? I don't even, I don't even remember at this point, but it was not looking good for a little while there that Carson Wentz was going to play 75% of the team snaps and given his injury history, it certainly wasn't uh, a guarantee, but he hasn't missed any time this year. And if for some reason, somehow Carson Wentz isn't able to play in the remaining three games and somehow all those games go to overtime and, and the snap count be ends up being less than 75%. The Colts are currently in a good spot to make the, uh, make the playoffs, which would get them above 70%. So it certainly looks like that that second-round pick will almost certainly now be a first-round pick. Now, where the Eagles are going to pick in the first round remains to be seen. If the Colts make the playoffs, it's probably going to be in the in the 20s someplace. But um, whatever, a, a first-round pick is certainly better than a second-round pick, no doubt about it. Um, whether or not the Eagles use that extra first-round pick to package them together to go get a veteran quarterback, or whether they use a couple of them to move up in the first round of the draft and get a quarterback, or whether they just keep all three and select a bunch of good players in the first round of the draft this year, or whether they trade one or two of those first-round picks for first-round picks next year. Remains to be seen exactly what they do with them all. But Howie Roseman will have three first-round picks after Carson Wentz crosses the 75% snap threshold in their game against the New England Patriots on Saturday night. All right. Up next, we're going to talk to Mark Bullock, formerly of the Athletic. Now he has his own Substack, and uh, we'll hear from him about that and uh, get his take on this depleted Washington football team. Again, we, we spoke to him before. Uh, when we spoke to him, there were about seven or eight players on the COVID list. And that obviously, after we spoke, ballooned uh, significantly after that. But his analysis of the, of the Washington football team uh, is still generally pretty good uh, as far as who's going to play and what, what, what kind of matchups we could be looking at and game plans and all that. So uh, we will have that conversation coming up with Mark up next here on Eye on the Enemy.
0: What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself.
1: And joining me to help break down this weekend's huge matchup between the birds and the football team is Mark Bullock. Mark, formerly of the Athletic, um, but he covers the football team now on his own. Uh, he's got a, a, an awesome Substack you're going to want to uh, make sure that you become a member of, and uh, uh, follow him on Twitter at Mark Bullock NFL. Mark, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. Thanks, and yourself. I'm doing great, and just before we get started, uh, for folks who want to check out your work and all the analysis that you provide, how do folks get uh, get a, get to be a part of your uh, your newsletter?
2: Yeah, so uh, my uh, Substack is uh, markbullock.substack.com, um, and you can go on there and you can subscribe, and uh, you, you get every uh, pretty much every day during the week. Uh, I, I put out a post breaking down the Washington Football Team, so um, you'll yeah. get it directly to your inbox from that.
1: So there you go. And, um, you know, I, th- I think one of the things, uh, as you know, I live in Northern Virginia, so I, I see a lot of the Washington football team on a, on a weekly basis. And um, last week's game against the Cowboys, I know there was a lot of high hopes going into that game. Washington swept Dallas last year, obviously without Dak Prescott, but um, there was a, a lot of optimism. Washington riding a four-game winning streak going into a home game against a Dallas team that had been struggling uh, over the, the month previous. And. Uh, really, it, it shouldn't have even been a game at the end, the way Dallas dominated for for most of that game. But of course, it ended in such heartbreaking fashion with the Kyle Allen fumble at the end of the game. Just real quick, your your general thoughts on how things played out on Sunday against Dallas?
2: Yeah, it was um, it was pretty disappointing, as you say. There, there'd been quite a bit of build up, and they were coming off that four game win streak, so there, there was quite a bit of uh, hype in the area, um, and the the team had kind of made an emphasis of getting fans to come to the stadium and, and, and be like, hey, we need your support for this big rivalry game. And then they went out and played like that, and you see why the, the stadium's often filled with opposing fans rather than their own. So, yeah, um, yeah it was pretty disappointing. Um, I, I think, in general, the defense didn't play too badly. Um, obviously, they they were put in some bad positions by the offense with turnovers and such. Um, and, you know, they they just about managed to keep Dallas in touch for... For that late surge that they, they nearly had, um, but yeah, it was um, it was pretty poor overall, um, especially offensively. And um, I, I think it with the number of injuries that they've got lately, and um, obviously the the big thing at the moment in Washington is is the COVID list. Yeah. Um, with all of that, I, I think it could uh, could spark a, a, a bit of a losing streak coming up.
1: Yeah, as we record this on Wednesday, uh, the the football team announced uh, another few players uh, to the COVID nineteen list. Ten total players on that list. The big names, of course, uh, defensive tackle Jonathan Allen, uh, starting cornerback uh, co- cornerback Kendall Fuller, and um, defensive end Montez Sweat are the big names on that list. But I mean, you you're down ten guys yeah. uh, due to COVID, and that can be it's n- if nothing else, a distraction. But also, you're just you're losing a ton of depth. So. I was reading also another article from Hogshaven, which is the SB Nation Washington football team site. They're basically, they're already marking this up as a loss. And I know Eagles fans are not doing that because, you know, the Eagles have had their own issues this year at, at various times, but is are, are Washington fans really that down on this team? Because you had a four-game winning streak going into this past Sunday. Is is it is it too dour based on, on just one loss and, and missing some players here? Uh, I, I think it's kind of it's maybe a little bit dour but it's more
2: because of the, the injuries that they had along with the COVID list and, and mm. big players as you mentioned like Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat um yeah. they, they've already been hit in terms of injuries like Sweat had a broken jaw and missed the last four games before that um going on the COVID list and um Chase Young is out injured and now they could lose Jonathan Allen and and their depth is taken a huge hit and and um, as you say Kendall Fuller at cornerback like th- they've almost not had a single position that hasn't been hit so um it, it, it was a team that um that needed kind of its depth to to really be able to compete um because it didn't it didn't necessarily have the star power um right. so when when that depth gets kind of taken away uh it 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 really hurts the the team uh t- the team's ability to compete so um, yeah it's it's a lot of sort of pieces to be missing um, but that being said you know that they they still should be able to field a competitive team and and there's there's hope that Jonathan Allen and Montez Sweat might be able to come off the COVID list by the end of the week or, or mm. certainly in time for the game so um, mm. if those two guys are available then I think there would be have a lot more optimism but certainly uh you know coming off a a big loss like that to the Cowboys in which the offense looked horrific it's it's hard to get excited about
1: yeah let's talk about the offense because I know you wrote a lot about Taylor Heineke's performance and I think folks were feeling a little bit better about him heading into the Dallas game it looked like he had uh, been playing better. He had been playing some competent football, but uh, some of the plays that he made in the game on Sunday, uh, I know for Washington fans, were were really worrisome as far as uh, some of his uh, decision making, uh, deciding to you know take some shots downfield instead of getting easy first downs in a couple of different a couple of different occasions, underthrown balls, all that kind of stuff. What did you see from Taylor Heineke on Sunday?
2: Yeah, we um, we during this win streak that Washington's had after the bye, the, the four games in a row, that they were playing a certain brand of football where they were running the ball, they were dominating time of position, they were playing solid defense, and they were keeping ahead of the chains. And that allowed Heineke to kind of minimize the, the amount he had to do. Um, and, and, you know, he could make three or four third down completions that were maybe not necessarily the easiest, but, you know, that he, he could pull off his magical running around, scrambling to avoid three tackles and make a throw kind of thing. Um, And it would limit the amount he he needed to really push the ball down the field. Um, But this week against the Cowboys, obviously that that didn't happen. The the run game never really materialized. And, um, you know, when when you go down 21 or 24-0 at a half, you kind of have to come out throwing the ball to try to catch up. And and he was just trying to do too much. He was trying to get the 24 points back in, in one play rather than, you know, just lead a drive that can that can get some points on the board so um that that caused him to to kind of fall back into the taking lots of risks and and he had one interception but he could have quite easily had four or five um there there was quite a lot of risky throws where the Cowboys somehow didn't manage to pull in interceptions so um I, i think it was it was a case of if, if you can get Washington off of their um, their kind of game plan of, of running the ball and dominating time of possession and, and get them behind the chains, then, then Heineke kind of pushes to try to make up for that. And, and that's when mistakes can happen
1: is he the main source of the issues on offense because like you mentioned they were running the ball well with antonio gibson the last few weeks they've they've got terry McLaurin uh... on the outside but i know there was a i think you know there was a concerted effort this offseason to try and add some more talent uh... to to the roster offensively at the skill positions and um just based on just based on what I've seen from from this team during the course of the season it still is pretty much just Terry McLaren on offense uh, as far as uh, getting the ball down the field through the air
2: yeah it's um, they, they did spend uh, a lot of money on, on Curtis Samuel who obviously was with this coaching staff in Carolina um, but he's basically spent the entire offseason injured and and I think he's played something like maybe 60 snaps over the course of the season I think he Mm. played 15 or 20 last week and he's he's been kind of on a on a pitch count for the past few weeks where they've been able to use him in certain packages but they're they're kind of only using him sparingly so he he hasn't really been able to contribute too much um Logan Thomas was the other big one but um he got injured early in the season came back and then tore his ACL um a few weeks ago so um that they're struggling at tight end as well um the, the, the run game has kind of been what they've been relying on. Their offensive line has played really well, apart from this past week against the Cowboys, because Dallas did quite a few things, and, and they have um, some some nice rushes up front, and, and they caught them with some good scheme stuff. But um, other than that, the offensive line has been very stout for them all year, um, despite having lots of injuries. They're they're on their fourth center right now. Um, yeah. They're on their back at right tackle. They've had injuries at guard. So... Um, the, their offensive line despite all of that has kind of stood up and and been the foundation of the offense which um, is good to an extent it, it's something that you can rely upon but um, if, if they don't get that run game going then um, yeah yeah it's, it's quite limited in the in the weapons uh, that, that Heineke has outside of mclaurin
1: so what would you expect defensively from the Eagles? How how would you attack the Washington offense right now if you're if you're Jonathan Gannon?
2: I would absolutely look to kind of play the old school football, stop the run, commit defenders to the box, try to stop them from being able to, to pick up there. That Washington hasn't had this these, the, the kind of breakaway 20, 30, 40-yard runs that go for touchdowns. They, they've just been consistent in getting three, four, five, six-yard carries and keeping themselves ahead of the chains. And It's been remarkable that they've managed to stay kind of penalty-free and, and stop the negative plays from getting them behind the chains, but that's the style that they're playing and they're doing it well, or certainly they had been during that four-game win streak. So. Um, if I'm the Eagles, I- I'm committing to stopping the run. I'm I'm forcing Heineke to pass the ball because that is the best chance of a of a turnover or negative play. Um, and-, and I'm doubling Terry McLaurin to to stop him from, you know, killing me over the top. But other than yeah. that, I-, uh, I-, I think it's it's got to focus in on on stopping the run.
1: Yeah, and Terry McLaurin generally speaking kills the eagles no matter what so uh, they could quadruple team him he'll probably still put up over 100 yards Uh, but whether that'll be enough this week we'll see um, let's flip the script and let's take a look at the uh, Eagles offense and what Washington will do on defense. Again, you mentioned Montez, with Montez uh, Sweat might be back, um, but uh, that they are dealing with a number of injuries. Obviously, uh, Chase Young out for the season as well, so a devastating blow on the defensive line for Washington there. Um, and they're going up against an Eagles offense that is, I think, a lot like the Washington offense. Like They're, they're going to look to pound the ball. They're going to look to run it a lot. Uh, They're not looking for Jalen Hurts. They don't want Jalen Hurts to put the ball in the air 25, 30 times, and so they're going to use Jalen Hurts to to run the football. Hurts had a really bad game two weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago, against the Giants, and that's the last impression anybody has of him right now. He's got four weeks to essentially win the job. What is your take on Jalen Hurts as an NFL quarterback right now? And if you were the Eagles – would you have him? Would you would you be locking in on him as the guy at least for twenty twenty two at the moment?
2: Uh, I, I don't know if I'd be locking in on him. I, I probably wouldn't commit to him, especially with the potential resources that the Eagles have this off season with potentially what three first round picks. Um, yeah. If if they like a guy in the draft, like my philosophy always with a quarterback in the draft, especially in the first round, is you have to love the guy, and if you love the guy, then take what it, spend whatever it takes to get it. Um, but if you don't love the guy, then don't go get him, uh, and and don't spend the capital on him. But if they find a guy that they like, and, and I I don't really know this quarterback class particularly well yet. But if they find a guy that they they, they love, they they certainly have the ammunition to go and get that guy. So um, if if he can if if they can do that, I, I would be looking to upgrade. Um, but in in terms of this week against Washington, I I, I think the kind of quarterback that Jalen Hurts is could certainly hurt Washington. Um, Washington's run defense in general is, is pretty good. They, they they give up an average of less than 100 yards per game, which which I think is in the top 10, but um, when you add a running quarterback component to that, um, it, it, it tends to be pretty bad. Um, I, I think the example we can point to is kind of week two against the Giants, Daniel Jones. Uh, I think he had something like 95 yards on nine carries with, with a mm-hmm. touchdown, so... Um, whenever they ran read option stuff Washington just did not have an answer to it and um, you know teams have kind of run a bit of it after that and they, they've always picked up solid yards but they never stick to it because they don't necessarily have the the quarterback for it but mm-hmm. um, I, I think if I'm Philadelphia I, I'm I'm letting Hurts you know run those read option plays and and be involved in the run game and and test Washington's ability to stop that because uh, up until now, they've not proven that they can.
1: I think um, as we're going on here, we look at this game and the playoff implications are enormous for this one. The loser of this game, are they, while not 100% for sure done for the playoffs, is it a death knell? Like, is this a must-win game for both teams if, if they want to get to the postseason?
2: Uh, I don't quite see it as a must-win game, but certainly not for Washington because Washington plays Dallas and then Philly again in, in, over the next two weeks after this. So um, they, they've kind of got a chance to, to split against both teams if if they lose this weekend. So um, I don't think it's a, it's a death, but it certainly would give you know the other team a a significant advantage um especially with you know if if either of these teams sweep the other then that that obviously gives a huge advantage and and Mm -hmm. would probably see you into the playoffs so um i i think washington will certainly be targeting targeting trying to beat philly in obviously both of the games but if they can sweep them then that's two games in their favor and two games not in Philly's favor so um I, I think though the, you have to look at the the fact that they still play twice and obviously Washington mm. plays Dallas once as well still so um yeah. I, I think it's not necessarily a death if Washington loses but um it certainly puts puts Philly in a in a commanding
1: position. Sure and vice versa for for sure that that gives one team the edge over the other because Philly also has a game against Dallas and uh, the Eagles have a game against the Giants, uh, so I know this is—they uh, both basically have kind of the same schedule here going down yeah. the stretch, and uh, it'll be interesting to see um, exactly what this game means as far as uh, the playoff odds go, but uh, it—certainly it, whoever wins this game has a big leg up with three weeks—with uh, three games left, so uh, it'll be—it should be a, a an interesting game. I don't know if it'll be a good game because these are two deeply <laughs> flawed teams, <laughs> but— yeah. um, you know that it'll certainly. It could be ugly at times. It could be a little sloppy, but I think we're going to see a lot of running the football for on sure. Sunday afternoon. So for for old school NFC East fans who uh, bat, loved watching, you know, John Riggins back in the day, and loved watching um, those uh, those those grinded out teams, uh, it, this could be a throwback to that kind of an afternoon. So, uh, folks, make sure you're checking out everything Mark Bullock is doing over at his Substack. Again, it's markbullock.substack.com. Hey, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy. I appreciate it.
2: Of course, anytime.
1: All right, well, let me give you my prediction on this game here on Tuesday night. It's really hard to give a, a true sense of what's going to happen because we still don't know exactly who's going to play. It's certainly as I'm recording this on Saturday night, sounds like Kyle Allen will be the, will be back in time to, to start this game, but this, this still should be a runaway for Philadelphia. If the Eagles don't beat a severely depleted Washington football team, there's something seriously wrong. I mean, obviously, the memories of Joe Webb are scaring the heck out of everybody, but I don't think that's going to happen this time around. I think the Eagles are motivated. I think they're going to come out hungry. This is not a team that's going to come out flat on Tuesday night. Despite having had the bye week and then another extra couple of days, it's been a while, so the Eagles might be a little rusty getting back out on the field on Tuesday night. So you might look at a little bit of a slow start, but this is going to be a hungry football team. I think you're going to see the Eagles just run the ball down their throats with Jalen Hurts running the football quite a bit. I would certainly... I would certainly look to get get the ball in the air. looks like Quez Watkins won't be playing because he's on the COVID-19 list. Really the only Eagles player dealing with COVID. They might activate John Hightower from the practice squad in order to uh, fill out the receiving room. And so look for more Jalen Rager in this game. But I I expect the Eagles run game to have a dominant day. I expect the defense to have a dominant day. I really think this should be a runaway for this football team. I'm going to say Eagles 40, Washington 14. This should not be a close game. And it certainly should not be a game the Eagles lose. I expect them to run the ball a ton, maybe get a turnover on defense. Jonathan Gannon's unit playing very well over the last few weeks uh holding holding teams down to few points um not giving up big drives getting some turnovers really an improved unit from earlier in the season credit where it's due jonathan gannon looked like he was on his way out after one season but he's bought himself some more time he's doing a nice job with this group uh ever since tj edwards went into the starting lineup uh, really doing a, a nice job uh with the defense uh, over these last few weeks and um Normally, I'd say he has his hands full or he has his work cut out for him, but I don't think that's the case with the Washington football team. Just stop Terry McLaurin and, uh, and Antonio Gibson. Don't let the key in on those two guys. Don't let don't let those two guys beat you. If if somebody else ends up beating you, fine, but do not let scary Terry and uh, Antonio Gibson beat you on Tuesday night uh, because. Those are the only two guys that Washington really has that can do any damage. So look for the Eagles to win this one in a runaway. I'm going to say 40-14. to 14. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks once again to Mark Bullock for joining me. And uh, don't forget to check out all of the Bleeding Green Nation podcasts that we have for you here on the podcast feed. It's been a very weird week, a little bit of out of order. Um, and I think that's going to hold true this week because uh, because of the game on Tuesday night and then a quick turnaround uh, on Sunday afternoon against the Giants. But uh, keep it right here for all the latest news and information will who knows what's going to happen on Sunday and Monday after this podcast is recorded and on Tuesday morning we'll see we'll see what happens over these next three days uh, in the meantime enjoy another uh, Sunday free of Eagles football uh, watch uh, some of the other teams around the league uh, get their action in before you get the Eagles and Washington football team on Tuesday night thanks everybody for tuning in we'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy
0: What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship of Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: More to-dos,
1: less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot, because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier.